Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's Lori, and I'm here with Charlene. Hi, it's great to do a podcast again with you. And Deanne is with us. And Deanne is our friend who works for the ministry as well. And she and her husband, Vic, have been um, in a restored marriage for two years. But today we thought Deanne could um, join the conversation that we're going to have about reconciliation and restoration. And what we're talking about is how reconciliation comes before restoration. So Deanne, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're excited to talk about this topic and people are often talking to us about restoration. They want restoration to happen. They're waiting for restoration. They, they want to say that restoration is here. But um, one of our listeners asked us to do this podcast and they asked us just to talk more about how the process to restoration is just that. It's a process. And I know, Mom, in your story, you talk about how your remarriage happened suddenly. Quick. That's exact the right word. But restoration was actually a process. A process. Definitely. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's start with you. What would you say your reconciliation process looked like? Bob calling me uh, late at night. That was the beginning. He lived uh, two and a half hours away from uh, our family. And he was calling and he had another person. In fact, he had other persons. And so he was calling me at night and I became his confidant or best friend that he just wanted to share what was going on in his life and to talk to me. And I just, I said, Lord, why am I hearing all these details and why do I have to hear about this? And he says, because he needs to talk to a friend. He needs to share what's going on in his life and you're his best friend. And this is going to be the process of restoration. Because I could talk to him, forgive him, and just be able to know how to pray specifically for him because I knew what was going on in his life. And it was just a blessing not to condemn him, not to lecture him, but I could be, the Lord was opening up a window into his life that I would have never had if he hadn't used me as a confidant and and as a friend. And that's what I want to encourage you all to be open for little instances where they call you up and ask about the basketball game and use that as a praise report that you're having any communication. So you started to see a friendship forming first. Deanne, in your life, um, what happened with your period of reconciliation with your husband and how, how long did that period last in your life? With Vic and I, um, he would come to the same church that we, that is our children and I attended at times. And um, I found myself as the Lord was nudging me. I had been praying for him for a long time, but I found the Lord was nudging me to go sit closer to him because he was an usher at times and he had his, his mom who was, um, had illness. So I found myself sitting closer to him. I find myself, found myself offering to help with my mother-in-law. And um, so little by little, there was just more interaction in that way. And um, 
I just kind of let the Lord lead that because that wasn't what I pictured. Like most of us don't picture, you know, just something small like that. But it was really just me treating him as, as another brother or sister in the Lord, treating him as a neighbor, treating him as a friend, not looking at everything in our past that had happened, but just reaching out and being there to be helpful and, and to show love. Excellent. Yeah, that's so true. And that reminds me of a verse in 1 John four nineteen, which says we love because he first loved us. And going on to verse 20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And you both were showing your spouse like a friendship love at that time, even though you were treating them in your mind as your husband but what you were showing them was starting that friendship, which is the basis. If we all go back to when we were dating of how your relationship started in the beginning is that foundation of friendship had to be built. And I think that sometimes when our marriage problems start, we stop losing that friendship, that, that talking to each other at nighttime or go for a walk and talk or whatever is your outlet of communication. Uh, We need to share from our hearts. We need to tell funny stories at work or things that are going on or what you saw in traffic. Traffic, you can discuss that with uh, a lot of stories of funny things you see. But it's we need to be a friend with them. And that is paramount to have before it's a sexual or before we worry about any other things we need to love and like our husband and wife and right now we have to learn and examine our hearts and lives is do we have unforgiveness in our hearts against them for what they have been doing or have done in the past and are we have do we have a partial wall built up or that is this blocking reconciliation and then the restoration. And I think we, we often find that there is unforgiveness. As you're going through the reconciliation process, you can't harbor bitterness towards a person because you're dissatisfied in the pace at which you're reconnecting and having that friendship or having that dating relationship. Some it's going to look different for everybody. It's some people, it might look like a friendship. Some people have had a prodigal come home because they could not afford to live in their own place again. And they've said, can I move home and live somewhere else and um, just be here as a roommate? And it looks different for everybody. Did your husband, Deanne, um, understand the friendship that you were trying to offer him through that period of time? I think he appreciated my care and concern for his mother. Um, She had Alzheimer's and um, he would, he would have her like he would come into town because we lived two hours away. He would come into town and he would get his mom on Saturday, have her Saturday night, bring her to church on Sunday and care for her there. And then she would end up going with his brother after church. Um, So I, I think he really appreciated my, my offering to help my sitting with her. If he had to go do something, Um, because he had a lot on his plate with that. And, um, but during that time, you know, he would normally rush off after church, you know, he would rush off to meet friends or um, the other woman when she was in town, because they were together on and off for 10 years, but she had moved out of state. 
So I knew that he was still seeing her and communicating with her. Um, but there, what would happen is I would ask him, would you like to come to lunch with us? Like, you know, whether it was my family, other people from church, oh, you want to come have lunch with us after church? Or if there was anything else going on, I started extending invitation to him and, um, and not worrying about if he said no, or I have something to do, or how is he, is he going to accept or reject? You know, that's where we just, you know, we, we don't worry about any of that. We just trust the Lord. And that was the two big words. Well, three big words, actually, the Lord gave me through that time of what he was doing, drawing me to my husband um, first before he had me share with him what was going on in my heart um, toward reconciliation. And that was wait, wait on the Lord, just waiting on the Lord and just allowing him to order my steps. The second was trusting him, um, not leaning on my own understanding what was going to be the outcome. How was he going to respond to me? It was just me trusting the Lord and then obeying the Lord. Because we know the obedience to God is what brings the blessing. It brings, um, it brings the result that God wants forth. So that's where I just whatever nudge I felt, because I would always just say, Lord, however you choose to use me, however, I was totally surrendered to the Lord um, because in my heart, I, it was kind of hard for me to envision us being back together because it had been such a long period of time that we were apart. But the Lord was clearly putting in my heart, I am going to do this. And, and to me, that was like, I thought it was going to be quick too, but it wasn't so quick. It was definitely a very gentle, just joining and communicating and offering and just really just befriending and just being like a sister in Christ to him um, more than anything else to do with us. Do you think that took the pressure off in his mind of feeling more comfortable to have that relationship with you because it didn't come with him thinking, well, I know she wants restoration. And if I'm friendly with her, she's going to take that the wrong way. Like, do you think it took the pressure off his mind? Yes. Yes. That was about a eight to nine month process that I believe God, God knew exactly what he was doing because through that time, as we were around each other more with other people and eating meals or, or whatever it was, was at the time, um, then when the Lord prompted me to call him one night and tell him what was going on in my heart, um, with, I, I had some dreams of us being together and flirting around and stuff. And, um, I think that when I actually called him that night in obedience in, in total fear, but in obedience, um, that he was more, he was ready. I think God had prepared his heart so that he was seeing me more for who I was. Um, not the person that I was before, but he was seeing me for, for who I have been the last few months, um, just reaching out and being there and, and just being a friend and being a help. So I think that was all part of God's master plan to prepare his heart um, for that conversation that night on the phone. And it was basically just silence. And then like, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this. And I said, well, I don't know what to do with this either. Let's just pray about it. And, you know, so then it was, it was a few more months um, before he actually asked me out on, on our first lunch date. It was around Valentine's Day. And um, it was just, it, it truly, I, I do believe God is a God of process. And he gives us peace through that process when we yield and trust and wait and obey. And then it's a, it, for the journey. It is a journey. It's not a race. God is never, never in a hurry. It is a, it is a pro is a journey and a process. And he knows every single step of the way, what he is doing in both my, you know, our heart as the standard and the prodigal 
He's doing what he needs to do to draw and knit and bond and just reconnect us. That reminds me of the story um, of Lazarus when he died and you said that it's a process. And when Mary and Martha called Jesus and said, come because Lazarus is sick in our minds, we would think he would show up immediately and answer the prayer, give, give the restoration, give whatever it is we're asking for. And he didn't, he, he went to pray. He went away. He showed up a couple days later. And that's such evidence of the, what you're saying, that this is such a process and a process that needs to happen that way. If you called your husband up and had that conversation where you shared what was on your heart and what your feelings were towards, let's get back together. And he came home the next day. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I, I would bet money that it would not have lasted. It would have been what we talked about on our last episode, which was false starts. And it takes time to rebuild that foundation together. And so that's what we're talking about today. Deanne, do you think that um, your husband had any shame in the choices that maybe led to your divorce or the, the relationship that you had while you were, you guys were apart. Do you think shame played a role at all in um, his mind during that reconciliation process? I do not really think that. I think there was more of blaming me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we both had our faults in the marriage, but um, the final breakup, what like Charlene was, you know, I, my heart was cold and I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to try. I don't want to, I don't want to go to counseling. You know, I just kind of shut it down because the enemy had already lured me out into sin as well. So I think he was mostly focusing on, on what I had done. And I think that's why the Lord, again, looking back, why the Lord allowed him. He, he saw me in the church, how I volunteered and served and I was in leadership and everything. He saw me in that role, but it wasn't, it was kind of at a distance. So I think the Lord drew drew me closer so that we could have more of interaction so he could see who I really was. The Lord was trying to show him that I was a different person um, and that, you know, so he could let his guard down and not, not think about the things of the past. He still dwelt a lot in the past. The Lord had moved me past that as we always say that God captures one of our hearts and gets us into alignment with him and, and gets us into trust and obedience so that we, he then can, you know, start um, drawing in the other person. So I was at the point I had forgiven him. I under, I understood what my wrong and I was praying for him, but I I feel that the Lord was um, that groundwork that he laid um, when, when we had our first date um, that close to Valentine's day, we, we kind of sat there across from each other and said, well, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> like we, we don't know each other. We're like, we're totally different people. So whether it's two years, 10 years, 15 years, I mean, you, you probably have grown apart from your spouse and not being directly connected to them. So you really do have to kind of get to know each other. And, and I think most of us, especially women, but you know, any standard, I think we want to kind of discuss and resolve and start talking about things of the past. And we did not do that. Um, the Lord just did not allow that because it is not going to help anything. So we basically just kind of moved forward there. There was the time, the right time that subjects would come up, whether I brought something up or he brought something up and, you know, it was kind of like a sore spot and, and it, it's something, it's a hump you have to get over. 
And I think that that's where we need to just let those things unfold naturally and not try to force a conversation or force accountability or a repentance or a remorse, you know, from our spouse. Um, I did repent before him, you know, that, you know, whatever, I'm not that same person that I was. I'm not that woman. I am different. You see my love for the Lord that I want to honor God. I, you know, I, I don't want to make those same mistakes that I made in the past. So um, get to know me for who I am now. And, and I think a lot of, I, when I minister to the Sanders on when I'm talking and praying, I do tell them, just allow them to see you. You don't have to talk about anything of the past. Allow them to just see who you are now, the person you are now. Um, and that's what's going to draw them to you. As you choose to honor the Lord and all that you say and do, and that was a cry in my heart, Lord, let me help me honor you in all I say, do, think, and feel. I just want to represent Christ. I want to, you know, this was to everybody, but especially to my spouse, you know, I wanted to honor the Lord. And as, as we choose to honor the Lord, that's when God is drawing them to the Christ in us, drawing, drawing them to the person we are, the new person we are. Um, otherwise, we keep visiting, revisiting the past, which digs up all those wounds and scars that cause problems. Right. I think one of the things that can, can hinder us from reaching out to a prodigal for friendship first is um, fear of rejection and fear of feeling like they don't need me as a friend. They're dating somebody else or they're living with somebody else or they're married to somebody else. And I think that we could show our prodigals um, the love, like you were saying, Deanne, the unconditional love that God shows us constantly and taking that first step and just letting God be the one who um, orchestrates the feelings. Because in our mind, we can say, well, they're not going to be receptive because they've moved on. They're not interested in this. And we don't have to try to stack the outcome. We can just show that love unconditionally and let God handle the outcome of what happens. And I know you saw that in your situation. Positively, the, the point, I was the other woman. I was the other woman that when he was dating people, he would call me up as a friend at nighttime and I would be hearing about his dates or where he would take them and all. He would come, he came to my house one night on a Saturday, dressed in a, up in a suit, smelling really good. And I'm thinking, and, and I didn't, I thought he was coming in to visit me. And he goes, oh no, I've got uh, so-and-so in the car. I'm taking her to a concert tonight. And I dropped my jaw and thinking he came to give me a check that he needed to pay me. And I was stunned that he did it at the time that he's out with the other person. And that was like a sword going through my heart. The devil wanted to use that to torment me and to want to give up. This is never going to change, never going to work. And I had to really cry out. And that was a night of prayer and fasting that night that I just, wow, it was, I was on my face saying, okay, Lord, they're out. Here am I restore and resurrect our marriage and have him see her as a counterfeit. And it was, it, and it worked because God answers our prayers in his perfect time. Right. You have to be obedient in the process and let him work out the details of the outcome. 
one testimony that I wanted to share is from Missy, who um, you all probably have heard their testimony from Greg and Missy. And if you haven't, we'll link it at the bottom. But Missy went through um, a stage of reconciliation before restoration. In fact, she was one that when her husband Greg came home, he wasn't coming home out of obedience to Christ. He wasn't coming home out of love for her. He was coming home out of necessity. And God quickly turned that around in their family. But um, we asked her about this and she said, um, I look back now and see that the first visit on Christmas day, Greg walking over and popping his head in the door at our neighbor's house while we were there having dinner, his acceptance to attend my baptism. They were all very short false starts, but more of testing the water. Like when you stick your hand in the shower to see if the temperature is correct. How is your temperature? Your spouse is going to follow yours. They control the knob with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now I look back and see that when I was no longer just dropping and crying and hiding from the world, the tide started to turn. I was available to my husband and easy to find, but I was busy. I was busy serving at church. I was busy with our daughter. I was attending events and feeling the joy of the Lord but it was a choice. Sometimes even carrying a scripture in my pocket to remind myself that greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. I started to learn how to cook via Food Network. Then I prepared dinners at our home and invited him over. He came to dinners at our home and sat at his seat at the table. I treated him as if nothing was wrong, but as if he lived there, he was the head and he was welcome. He went on a big vacation with myself and my parents, and he, I was shocked he accepted, and it was a wonderful seven days. Some moments were odd and uncomfortable and not glorious, but it was bathed in prayer and smiles. I was shocked when after our trip, I received the divorce papers a few weeks later. I was thinking, God, what are you doing? But that's when the tide really did turn. There was more dinners at home together, more events attended, and finally, my suddenly. A random day when Greg called and asked if we could talk and then asked if he could move home into our spare bedroom. Of course he could. That's why I was standing. He didn't want our marriage. He just needed a place to live and a home. And we had a home. It was ready. And that was the start of what God was doing. And that's such an, a prime example of how this process goes for so many people that there's, I, I guess you would call it hills and valleys of restoration, of hope, of good days, and then a valley of a bad day. Because I know after Missy got those divorce papers, she was shocked thinking that we just had this glorious seven day vacation as a family and we're ready to move forward and everything was great. And he filed divorce papers after that. And so we just want you to understand, don't be surprised at what God's doing and the things that are happening and trust him through the process. Missy had to forgive her husband enough that she would walk and, and, and react all the time. He's coming and going and doing what he's doing even when he moved in there it still wasn't a, a it was in the process he didn't think it was in the process right. he wanted a room that's all he wanted but god had another plan and we have to be available to the variety of different ways bob's car broke down 
um, a hundred miles from here. And he had a choice of calling two different women. He had a choice of calling the one that he's seeing regularly or me. He called me to come up there and pick him up and get him home and leave his car where it was broken down. And you were available. And I was available. So that was a beginning of showing I'm available for anything, regardless of what it is, good or bad. He was frustrated, but it was, I was able to show him that unconditional love that we want. And that's not being a doormat. No, it is not. You would do it for a friend. Right. Remember, you would do it for a coworker. But when we start to have marriage problems, we want to put up a wall of anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness can really hurt us. Listening to Charlene, it brings back those memories. Um, I would take things very personal when my husband would make a decision that hurt me, that I, that I felt, why did he do that? You know, like I, I like sure I started inviting him for dinner, like on a Saturday night, I'd say, come over for dinner, I'll make dinner for you and your mom. So he'd come over and uh, my, my daughter had already moved out of state, but my son would be there. So I'd make dinner for him and mom and she was in a wheelchair, you know, and, and she was ill and then, you know, help with everything. Then he would go home, come to church the next morning. And then after church, he would go with the friends and I would take it personal. I would be like, well, well, what am I? Like you said, at the doormat, it, it can feel like you're being used. <laughs> That's how I felt. I yeah, felt like, yeah. okay, well, he's coming over for dinner, but there's no consideration for spending time with me. So I kind of felt like mom took the place. Of course, she would needed him that the friends took the place. And then he would go back, back down, um, back up to his house on Monday morning. So I, but that's where the Lord was teaching me. I, I was, I had to deny my flesh. And one of my scriptures I looked up, which I think applies is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and that's what the Lord was saying. You know, you're, you're representing Christ. You are my vessel right now to show love, to show light to show, you know, my goodness. And that I was, he told me that I was to serve him and serve his mother. And it wasn't about me at that time, like what I wanted, what I desired, what I needed, you know, from my husband after all those years of being without, without him. And um, so that's where the Lord told me, don't take it personal. The choices that he's making, what he says and does, you know, don't take it personal, just continue to do it as unto me and just let me have my work. And if I would say anything to him, if I, if I didn't practice what Charlene teaches us to zip our lips, which I, I was not prepared at that point. I didn't know how to keep my mouth shut usually. And uh, if I would say something about, well, can you skip the friends? Can we spend Sunday together? Since it's, we're never alone. It's always, you know, you with mom and, and he would be like, no, this is what I do. And, and he would be short at times, like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. I like my life. And if you don't like it, like there's the door. And, and that would hurt me. That would really hurt me. And I would just be like, God, I don't see it. I don't see how this is ever going to work. I don't see how you're ever going to separate from him, from, from the, you know, the friendship and, and his routine and, and his plans. You know, he's been doing this many, many years without me. And then the enemy creeps in and he wants you to think like, well, you're not, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You know, you're not going to live up to the expectations. Um, it's never going to change. And that's when discouragement comes, deception, weariness, you know, 
And, and the Lord taught me through that to, instead of worry, worship, instead of growing weary, worship, that we just have to keep that intimacy and that connection with the Lord that, um, you know, like, like, like God says, uh, you know, well, my prayer was Lord make mold me, shape me, mold me into the woman that my husband loves, misses and wants to come home to that. I can't make him want to spend time with me over anything else in his life. So I, I just started praying, Lord. Make me that woman that he, that he desires, that he has, you know, enjoys being around, that he wants to spend time with, that he has love and passion and desire for. And, and God put in my heart for me to be fun, loving and lighthearted. And I'm like, how Lord, how do I do this? Cause I was more of a serious person. I was always more of a, you know, just, I was so on fire for God that I would talk about the Bible a lot. I would talk about things in the church and he wasn't there. He wasn't there. He, he didn't want to talk about all that stuff. Um, so the Lord, I said, just teach me, Lord, teach me to be fun, loving and lighthearted. Teach me just to have a good time when I'm around him and just, just be friends and not expect anything more. And God told me that don't expect because right now he's not capable of giving it to you. You know, he's, he's a work in process, but don't expect or, or try to take or, 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 or draw too soon from him what you want or desire desire. God just kept telling me that'll all come. That'll all come. Often we try to manipulate our circumstances to our benefit and to what we want. And not like you just said, allow the Lord to say, okay, here it is. You don't need to manipulate it. Let it happen. And you be gracious and loving toward that and not have a plan and, a, and manipulating a purpose to your benefit. And that's, I can see us trying to do that. I can remember that I was tempted to do that. And I, and I was, he lived to. And you did it sometimes. And, and, I and did, it fell flat. <laughs> and, and he lived two and a half hours away. And I could try to manipulate um, things to work out. Yeah. And, and he could see through it as, as easy as anything. And you know what? It was, I had to learn to zip my lips and not plan something allow the Lord to orchestrate him to all call up and say, can you bring the kids up? Can, and do you want to stay and eat with us? I had to let God do it. And so many times we're in the midst of it, trying to help God get it to happen faster. And it doesn't work. I agree, Charlene, because that's where, you know, God wants to be on the throne. He wants to be Lord and master over the reconciliation process and, and that's where um, he doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. You know, we try to make our plans and we try to, you know, like you said, manipulate or, or cause something to happen. But anytime we put, and I found anytime I would ask or, and Vic felt any kind of pressure or demand from me or any expectation from me, that's when he would back off, you know, so it, it doesn't work that that pressure and demand and, and stresses and ex expectations and, and, you know, that we put on them, they don't like that. They don't like that. They, they don't want it. You know, how many times do we hear the believers say, you know, um, my, anytime I start talking about anything, my, my spouse just shuts down. Like they don't, they don't want to go there. And I said, well, they, they don't, they don't want to think about all the wrongs, all the sin. And even if they're still doing it, they don't want you addressing it. They don't want you correcting them. My husband would say, you're not my manager, my boss, my God, my, my mother, you're not any of that. So stop whatever's wrong with me that you see that you don't like. He would tell me, just pray for me. 
And I'm glad he did. He would say, just pray for me. Then I would take it. And that's when the Lord started teaching me, don't say anything to him. Pray it to me. Don't say it to him. And that way we have to look to the Lord as our husband, as our, as our, our father, as our everything. We have to give it all to the Lord and let him be on the throne and let him be in control because we absolutely have no control, no control through the process other than one day at a time saying, Lord, you show me what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do, help me represent Christ, you know, help me reflect, you know, love, help me reflect um, forgiveness, you know, help me just to look forward and, and not look back and, um, you know, forgetting, you know, forgive, forget, and let the past be the past. That's, that's the way it has to be. Right. And there's time as the reconciliation develops into restoration where you're going to have a more um, concerted effort to have the discussions that need to happen and getting back when we're going towards restoration and now we're getting where we're going to be under one roof and we need to talk about other relationships and how we need to sever those. And we need to talk about, you know, if there's any addictions, how that's going to be handled, things like that. But through this reconciliation process, you keep hearing it over and over again today. It is a slow building of a foundation based on Jesus and friendship and unconditional love, which is what we should honestly be giving to everybody around us. Unfortunately, we give um, our family and our spouses oftentimes the short end of the stick. You know, we can be kind to people at work and long suffering with them and patient with, you know, people that are at church with us that we're serving with, but then we get home and we're snapping at our spouse and our kids. And so through that reconciliation process, you're just showing that unconditional love and grace through it. And then God slowly starts to restore and redeem. And it never looks, I've never heard from one person who has a restored marriage that things went the way they expected. <laughs> I mean, I remember even in your um, restoration, Deanne, that at towards the end, it was like, maybe this will be the day, maybe this will be the week. And <laughs> it was not any time that you expected and in the beginning, um, I, I would go to my pastor's wife or one of my pastors and, and I would, I would, I told them and they could see that Vic and I were sitting together and they would say like, what's going on with you and Vic? And I'm like, well, God is doing a work in our hearts and we're kind of seeing each other and getting to know each other. And, um, but there were, when I was really struggling, my husband, we, we didn't talk about counseling, of course, because like you said, we weren't there. We weren't at that point. Right. Um, so I would go to my pastors, one of my pastors and say, you know, this is what's going on. I need prayer. I don't know how to handle this. And they would pray with me and they would give me words of encouragement, words of wisdom. And that was, I was in reconciliation process about four, three and a half years before I connected to rejoice. So I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the wisdom, the knowledge, the truth. I didn't have what, thank God, this ministry offers. And, and I just kept crying out to the Lord because I'm like, God, I don't know how to do this. Like we are failing miserably in trying to reconnect. And, and that's when, you know, through my daughter, I found Rejoice and started attending and, and coming and listening and reading all the resources. And that's when God started transforming and renewing my mind um, and I wasn't crazy. What I wanted was right. I just didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know how to let go and let God. I didn't know how to zip my lips. I didn't know how to not put the pressure on my husband um, to make me happy, to, to fulfill me, to satisfy me, to meet my needs. And, and that's, not, that's not what they're there for. That is not even what a marriage is about. 
you know, we have to be whole in ourselves and look to the Lord to, to do those things for us. And as each one does that, then we come together as two whole people. And then we serve one another and we pour out on one another. And, and that's, that's where, you know, God's ways and thoughts, they're not ours. They're so far above ours. We can't reason it with our own, you know, natural mind. So it is, um, you know, he is a perfect father. And when we set our mind on him, he gives us perfect peace. He's holy. He's faithful. You know, he is God alone and none compared to him. So I found that when I would go to people and ask for their advice, um, their advice, it didn't, it didn't line up with God's word. And it was worldly advice. It wasn't the word advice. So that's where I had to step back and just really let it be between God and I. And I do, I do share with a lot of people that I pray with when they say, well, like their children are rejecting the spouse because the spouse hasn't repented. They're not remorseful. They're not accepting any, any accountability, you know, for what they've done. They're, they're show, you know, and I said, well, really, it's not the child's place or our place to demand that. We can't demand the repentance or remorse, you know, come back and ask for forgiveness and admit that you were wrong and how you've harmed the family and everything you've done. I said, it's not our place to do that. It is absolutely not. I said there, I tried to do that in the beginning, first few months and with my husband, well, let's pray together and let's repent before God, everything we did and all of our sins when we were apart and that way we're clean and we can start fresh. And, and I had already done that, but I wanted to do it with him. And he said, I don't want to do that. Just like that. I'm not, I don't want to do that. And, and it was like, you're not going to push me. You're not going to control me. You're not going to start forcing me to do things, you know, but there was the day. And I share that with, with these precious people. There was a day when he came to me and he said, God put in my heart, all those people when I was in the world and everything I did to, to that, it was, and he said, I prayed for them. He said, I asked God, God, don't hold it against them. It wasn't their fault. He said, it was my fault. And then there was a day that he repented before God for what he did. And, and, and it was beautiful that he shared me. He shared that with me. He trusted me enough at that point in our reconciliation that he shared that with me. There are so many thoughts that I've been having the last several minutes of all the different scenarios that we went through. When he was not at home, I could not say, like you said, I could not say, don't do that, don't do this, or why are you doing this? Because I had no rights uh, or anything, and I just had to pray about it. And the Lord had to intervene, remove it, or I had to learn to pray for the whole situation and for that other person or persons that they would be removed and in God's timing, and that the Lord would speak so loud to him that he would fear God and he would um, want to be a good example for his children. And it came to the point where Bob would say, Hey, um, I'm off on Saturday or a Sunday. Can you bring up the kids and you just stay and then, and join us and have dinner or whatever and, and events. And then you can go back um, and take the kids back home. And I don't have to do that. And I, boy, that was, okay, I'll, wherever you want me to go, I'll go and do that. And so there's going to be different things that we all will have to do in the process of reconciliation, but it is glorious. It's, as the word um, you used earlier, it's beautiful to see what God orchestrates in behind the scenes, and then we end up being able to do it. So um, there is 
waiting, there's trusting the Lord, but then we have to be obedient to our spouses and to what the Lord is requiring us to do to pro- help the process. Um, we have to let go and not want our ways. And I think we often, um, the spouse that's been wounded wants to get to be involved in things that we cannot be. It's better without us. That's very true. I'm thinking about the struggle, the struggle for independence, I guess, between my husband and I. We both had lived alone for 25 years between our separation, our divorce and separation. We were apart 15 years. Then our reconciliation, which I don't, don't be scared by this, please, was 10 years. But ours was very, very complicated. We lived 10, two, two hours apart. We, that was a time of a very tough time in the economy. We were both self-employed um, through his mother being ill. I mean, there were so many things going on in our lives. And I didn't want to sell my house and move with him. And actually, I couldn't because of an IRS issue. He didn't want to sell his house and move back to South where, where we were. So we were just, well, we were at a standstill. Neither one of us wanted to sell our houses. And, and I used to get so upset again, cry, Lord, why does he want to live with me? Why does he want to be with me full time? You know, I would take it personal. And then the Lord would just gently correct me. And, and it's not about you, Deanne. This is not about you. And so at the point that my husband proposed about nine and a half years into our reconciliation proposed and we got engaged. And, and that's when the Lord very specifically told me, you're going to sell your house and move with him. And I was not happy about that, but I had to obey and <laughs> trust the Lord and obey. And that word trust, I actually looked up in the Strong's Concordance today as I was, um, as I was reading uh, the word trust, not any other variations, but the word trust is 134 times. And God is really, I mean, through the Psalms, through the Proverbs, through so many scriptures about trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. And, and through my trusting the Lord, how are you going to work out my job, my church, my family, my uh, everything that I was involved in, that I was going to leave that I knew for years and years and years, 40 years. And the Lord was going to uproot me and move me. And just the thought of that transition, I mean, and it was extremely hard, but um, God knows. And he, he knew that I was supposed to come and move with my husband. But as I brought all of my belongings, there was, okay, what are we going to, we had two, two housefuls of furniture. So what do we keep? What do we give away? So that's where, you know, I just, I said, you decide it's up to you. And most of this stuff he gave to a friend and we took most of my stuff. And then we bought some new stuff together is we started buying our things together you know, then it was ours, not yours or mine. Um, but it's just trust the Lord. Don't lean on your understanding because we just can't figure it out. God knows. Yep. If that's anything to take from this podcast is to trust his timing through the reconciliation and then through the restoration, because it is a process. That's for sure. I can remember that when Bob and I started talking and, and seeing the process of, of speaking to each other and re beginning of having the family time together, uh, it, we had to re- rebuild a new foundation that had to be forget the past, forget all the, all the stories and all everything, erase it all. 
forget it and throw it away and start and base a new foundation of being friends and then going up and, and treating each other respectfully and, and have fun together and do things with the children and, and, and on our phone calls. You may think those are little steps and that it's not um, moving fast enough. Don't. It, because we are rebuilding our home and it takes time to rebuild it and have it have a solid foundation and doing the walls and the windows and the plumbing. Let it take God's timing and not rush into it because we want it to be solid. We want the house to look gorgeous inside and out. So I, I just want to encourage you that sometimes we think, like Lori said at the beginning, don't think of us suddenly. Think of wanting to build a, re- build a relationship that is going to be a friendship and, and, and lovers and, and believers together. But, you know, your spouse may not even be strong in the Lord when they come back. But God's in control. So we just want to encourage you to believe in reconciliation and if there's a process and it is going to be awesome and God is in the midst of it. Put him in the midst of everything and you will be blessed. Well, Deanne, thanks for taking time to talk with us about this today. And as we close, would you um, just close us in prayer and pray for those who are in the middle of that process of reconciliation right now as they're walking through those steps towards restoration? Yes, yes. Thank you, Father, so much for allowing us to have this time together to share and discuss and and bring up um, the challenges that we faced through our reconciliation, the timing, the waiting, the trusting, the the obedience. Father God, this this is what we must have. It's truly not about us. Um, We are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Christ and just honor the Lord in all that we do. So Father, I pray that you will encourage, let this podcast bless so many that have needed answers and needed to hear these words, needed to understand that you're not alone. You are not alone. What you what you need, what you desire is good, but, but our challenge is letting go and letting God be in control on the throne. So Father, just, just bless each one of the listeners Lord, give them hope that they can take one day at a time. As you tell us, take no thought for tomorrow. No worry. Nothing. Worry doesn't accomplish anything. We know that it's your, our, your, our faith that you're looking for. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. So as we allow you to be master and Lord of our lives and over our reconciliation and then to restoration, Father, it is a process. And you do give us your peace, your supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding through the process of this journey. And God, it is all for your good and for your glory. Lord, you don't want anything to happen prematurely out of your timing, because then there's going to be more complications and and it could not turn out well. We know there are those false starts, but Lord, you would rather not have those false starts happen. You would rather have just the, the building of the friendship and Lord, those that have said and, and may say now you hear them to say, I don't want to be friends. I don't want to just be their friend. I don't want to just act like everything's okay. And what they're doing is okay. Father, give them a piece to know it is okay. And you do want them to be, we have to be friends before we can move forward 
in healing and in, in, and in anything more. There has to be the, the building of the foundation of the friendship, just the, the, the learning to be kind and respect one another as we would treat any other person, treat each other that way. And Father, as you do that, we're showing each other who we are, our personalities. We're, we're just, just drawing close and enjoying have that, again, like the Lord told me, fun-loving and lighthearted. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are holy, that you are perfect, you are righteous, you are good. Um, you, you really know what you're doing, God. You know what you're doing and we don't know. So help us just to release everything to you, every care and every concern, release it to you daily. And just say, Lord, you order my steps and direct my path. And you show me what you would have me say and do one day at a time that I wouldn't have to figure it out, but come to you with childlike faith and just say, here I am, Lord, have your way. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, Deanne. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit RejoiceMinistries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.RejoiceMinistries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.